Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons Podcast. I'm his son, Matthew, and we have been splitting up the sermons every other week at our house church that my wife and I host on our farm. If you're interested in joining us, check out WrightFarmHouseChurch.com. Enjoy today's lesson. So last week in our, in our last lesson, we learned about Jonathan's friendship with David, uh, one of the clues from today's game, Jonathan and David. Uh, so in chapter 20, um, Jonathan rescues, he rescues David from, from one of uh, his father Saul's murderous plots. And, and now David is, uh, he's officially now an outlaw in, in chapter 21. He is a fugitive on the run and his life is constantly in danger now. So picking up in verse 1 here of chapter 21, it says, Then David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech came to meet David trembling and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? So so where did David go uh, during these terrifying times? He He goes straight to the place of God's presence, to the priest Ahimelech. Ahimelech is wondering whether all of David's warriors are dead uh, because he's alone. Uh, Maybe Ahimelech suspected that something was amiss in Saul's kingdom, Um, but we really have no idea. And going on to verse 2, it says, And David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. So so here's why David says he's alone. And it, it's obvious that David is lying here. Okay, what, what we don't know is why David is lying. Is he trying to protect himself or, is he tr- or, or could he possibly be trying to protect Ahimelech from knowingly committing treason by helping a fugitive? We don't know. But it goes on. David continues in verse 3. He says, Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. David is hungry, right? He hasn't had anything to eat. He's been on the run. Um, And and as the story continues, Ahimelech, he ends up up helping him. And he, he gives David the bread from the tabernacle. And David asks, he asks if there are any weapons. Uh, that he can take with him. And Ahimelech says, oh, I've got Goliath's sword here that uh, I've been storing for you, or you've been storing here. So so, uh, so he gives that weapon to David, and then uh, David heads off on his way. So what can we take away from this particular story? Uh, on the one hand, the story, it might be there for a historical and a geographical context as part of Samuel that the author writes. You know, where did David go when when he first ran away from Saul? He went to the tabernacle, to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. But in reality, this story, I think, is identifying uh, much more than just a historical or geographical marker in the story of David's life. This story is highlighting something fundamental to David's identity and and to get at it we we really need to put ourselves inside of David's 
shoes or probably sandals as it were he was not he was probably more most likely wearing sandals so just imagine that you're just just think about it imagine your world is falling apart okay the the person that you have spent your entire life serving is hunting you down and why it's because you did such a good job uh, you did such a good job that people praised you as much as they praised him. Add, add to that that you've left behind your closest friend in Jonathan. You've left behind your spouse. Everything that you own has been left behind. You don't even have any food. Okay, that, That's how much you've left behind. And the person who wants to kill you is the most powerful person in the land. Um, can you imagine the fear and anxiety David had? The desperate questions like, like where, where can I go? You know, where, where can I hide? Um, what's going to be next in my life, however long that might be? And you don't, you don't have answers for any of those questions. So where do you go when you're anxious? When you, when you feel like you're on the run and when you're not sure what to do next? who to turn to. Um, you know where David goes? He goes to, straight to God. He runs to the place of God's presence. And, and it's interesting because it's, it's actually not very smart what he does, if you think about it. If you're on the run from the king, you don't go to a public place. This is a very public place filled with people who know the king. They're filled with people who probably are spies for the king all over the place. But it's almost like David can't even help himself, right? This is his default. It's his need. David ran to God because David deep down truly believes that God's ability to protect him transcends Saul's capacity to kill him. Think of all the many Psalms that David wrote. If you go through the book of Psalms, many of them written during this time. Psalm chapter 16 says this, David says, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. David really believed that. And that is remarkable. Where, where do you turn when you're anxious? Who do you trust? Who tells you where to go? Who counsels you? Who, who tells you what's next? If we believed a tenth of, of Psalm 16, I believe that our lives would be radically changed because we could know that even if a bloodthirsty 
murderer was chasing us down, we could count on God to be our refuge and to protect our life, especially, though, in the ultimate eternal sense. Okay? I could trust God to be one who gives me joy and he gives me delight, and that all transcends any kind of terrible circumstance that I'm in. Where will we turn today in our troubles and, and our concerns as, as Christians? We, we will turn, hopefully, to the one true refuge. We will turn to God. So, in the next chapter, in chapter 22, something, something appalling happens. Saul ends up ordering the execution of, of Ahimelech the priest, as well as every man, woman, child, and animal in his town. Imagine that scene, how terrible that must have been to go through. Saul claims that Ahimelech has conspired against him. And of course, Saul's charges are completely false, totally false. Ahimelech had no idea. So why would Ahimelech suspect the king's, why would Ahimelech suspect the king's own son-in-law, David, that had become a fugitive? There's no way he would have suspected that. The contrast in these two chapters and stories in 21 and 22 of, of meeting Ahimelech, they're intentional, I believe, from the author. It's supposed to be a stark contrast. David's anxiety leads him to the very presence of God. Saul's anxiety over David turns him into a mass murderer. It leads him to not to turn to God, but to snuff out God's living voice, where, which are the priests in the story. And, and isn't that what, let me ask you this, isn't that what anxiety does to us on a smaller scale? It, it leads us to blame others. Um, we end up taking our anxieties out on other people internally or even externally through our, through our language, through our words. Doesn't anxiety sometimes make us into cynics about God? We, we just kind of snuff out his voice in our life. We think, yeah, you know what? I've tried the God thing. It just doesn't work. I've tried to do it. I'm just moving on. This is our tendency when we treat anxiety like Saul did, and we have to be careful of that. 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 6, says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So today, guys, let's cast all our anxieties on God because he cares for us, because Jesus is our refuge. Apart from him, we just read in Psalm chapter 16, apart from him, we have no good thing. He will counsel you, it says. When you're at his right hand, you will never be shaken. Let your heart be glad because he's never going to let go of your life. And when you turn to him, he's going to make known to you the paths of life, even when it seems like the shadow of anxiety threatens to overshadow it all. Jesus will be with you if you choose to follow him through it all. Thank you for listening to the Alan Wright Sermons podcast. 
We hope you'll join us next time. God bless you and have a wonderful week.